This is Josh Hawks. This podcast is part of the Points of Interest Podcast Network. Find this and many more at www.pointsofinterestpodcast.com. Hey there, this is AJ Fry from Interspace Week Nights 6 and 11 on Space, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. Aww. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. gentlemen welcome to an elegant weapon episode 89 i am your host my name is jm clark i am the jedi ross please excuse me while i flick my pick to make marijuana against law is like saying god made a mistake Welcome back, kids. It's our first show of 2014. We hope you all had a spectacular New Year's. I hope everybody partied hard and partied safe, made it home to their loved ones and such. First order of business today, we would like to wish uh, a huge happy birthday to our good, good pod brother, our brother in pod, Mr. Anthony Bachman. Anthony Bachman is co-host of the Next Element Pod on the Points of Interest Podcast Network, along with Colin Adding. He is also the colorist on Matt Cohen's Geek. Uh, He's one of the first friends I ever made on Twitter, and one of the first friends I ever made in the Podiverse. So, Anthony, happy birthday, my friend. Hope you have a spectacular day, and all the love you deserve comes flowing to you. Loving is what it got. For Anthony said loving is what I got, I got, I got. Anyways, um, kids, it's 2014, and you know what happened just before the end of 2013? We haven't spoken since the time of the doctor on the fields of Trenzalore at the fall of the 11th when no living creature could speak falsely or fail to answer a question will be asked a question that must never ever be asked doctor who christmas special it was a good time a lot of mixed reviews on this one kids it wasn't quite what a lot of people were expecting but i thought it was uh, i thought it was a beautiful swan song from mr matt smith um, they, they closed everything up. Uh, they even reclosed up 
things that had been closed up before, taking advantage of the crack in the wall and making that the uh, SOS of Gallifrey. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Matt was... uh, Matt was excellent. It's really interesting. You know, I think it's kind of cool that they might have actually gotten to set something up neat for Matt Smith in particular because we've, we've kind of known and been given hints in the past that Time Lords do age just incredibly slowly. We saw in Time Crash when Peter Davidson confronted uh, David Tennant, they kind of explained it with a wee bit of timey-wimey wobbly-wobbliness of why he looked a little older, but we know it's possible and we know what happens. Uh, to age Matt Smith 300 years in the time of the Doctor, has inadvertently given way for a return from Matt Smith at whatever age he wishes to be, uh, up until he's an old man. Now they can have a, some sort of creative way in through the town called Christmas that uh, Matt Smith can pretty much... Uh, he can be coming back for years without having to take some sort of curator-type role, you know? So I thought that was super cool. But to my satisfaction and above and beyond... All the questions were answered. Uh, it was beautiful, uh, right from the taking off of the bow tie at the end. Uh, very, very abrupt regeneration. Um, well, I guess you could look at it two ways. In one way, it was not abrupt. Um, by the way, I did call it. If you'd like to go back to my conversation with the new mutant, I fucking called Doctor Who, kids. I called exactly what would happen. I said that the Doctor, due to saving Gallifrey, with their appreciation, would grant the Doctor a completely new regeneration cycle. Bam! Amazing Kreskin, bitches! I called that shit. Called it like I've been to the future or something and knew it was gonna happen. But, uh, yeah, it worked out beautifully. Um... Not much more I can say. Um, oh yeah, what I was talking about the uh, the regeneration when they when they excessively fill him uh, and he destroys the Daleks with all the excess regeneration energy. But then there's a slow reset, um, and then you know you get to see young Matt Smith for a bit and have his little hallucination with uh, with Amy, which was a, it was a beautiful moment. And then uh, they didn't waste time. You know uh, they kind of went the opposite to uh, the way that. T- the regeneration difference between Matt Tennant and sorry Matt Smith and David Tennant it was kind of like their characters, you know. Uh, David's was uh, it's very sad how the way he went out. It was very emotional and very heartfelt. Matt was always a harder, stoner, darker doctor, and uh, less swashbucklery. And his came out very defiant, not defiant, but very stern, very stoic, and very uh, honorable, very full of respect. And I will remember being me. I will remember this doctor. So that was super cool, and uh, it was neat. But then all of a sudden, even though it's a slow build-up, bam! He regenerates the fuck quick into uh, Peter Capaldi. Uh, Peter Capaldi, first line, absolutely brilliant. I've got kidneys. I don't like the color. (laughs) What the fuck is that? That's fantastic. I think that's great. Um, A lot of talk going on, too, about the fact that uh, he's not quite sure how to fly the TARDIS. I don't understand the confusion here because it's a well-known fact over many decades that once the Doctor regenerates, he's quite fucked up. He's quite out of sorts, as we may say. So it's kind of understandable that he may not instantly remember to fly the TARDIS, even though Matt Smith did. But there's also been discussion of the fact that it's uh, it's a brand new regeneration cycle, and maybe there's more of a reset than we realize. You know it's still going to be the Doctor, but... You know, maybe he's uh, this one's going to really mess him up because it's a whole new regeneration. But uh, again, who knows? I, I called it enough on time with the Doctor that uh, I think my uh, Kreskin-like skills can be uh, laid to bed. 
So I just wanted to talk about that quick for a few minutes and uh, express my satisfaction with the time of the doctor and my excitement about Mr. Capeter Capaldi. Mr. Capeter Capaldi? Capeter? Capeter Capaldi? That's all, folks. Um, uh, that's not all, folks. We got a lot more to go through. I, I sent a, I sent a question and a quest and a mission challenge statement type thing out into the Twitterverse, and I said, "Hey, you out there, have you got any questions for the Jedi Ross? Anything at all? What would you like to know about comic books? What would you like to know about Star Wars?" What would you like to know about the sweet, sweet Chiba? Send your questions on this way to the Jedi Ross. That's what I said. And uh, I got questions. I got responses. I got things that you people want to know. So let's dive right in to a little bit of a Q&A with the J. Yo, this is Greg Capullo, man. And you're listening to Elegant Weapon. And you know who the biggest elegant weapon is? I can't tell you where it's located, but it's uh, got something to do with me. Our first question comes from a longtime loyal fan and listener, Mr. Glenn P. McAfee. Glenn McAfee asks, hopes, fears, and expectations for Episode 7? I sense much fear in you. And what do you think of the recent DC casting news? Um, I've obviously talked at lengths on an elegant weapon about my hopes, fears, and expectations, but to give a quick overview... Of what I'd like to see out of these things, my hopes, my fears, my expectations of episode 7, well, I'll tell you this, my hopes are high, kids. Um, my hopes are very high. Um, JJ, of course, I'm a, I've always been a fan, and uh, you know, I'm a big apologist and a big fan of everything he does. I think what the movie's going to look like is foregone conclusion brilliant. Uh, I think it's going to be given more of a, a, a life-like look. Uh, I'm very, very, very pleased with their whole intention to take it back, um, which would include filming in London again, filming on real sets, in real locations, the brilliantly genius decision to film on 35 mil. Uh, that's going to take it right back to the old school feel of the Star Wars. So, uh, you know, I don't have tons of fears. Uh, the one fear I have is in, you know in reliance to the expanded universe. How much are they going to rely on things that, you know, I don't want to see 20 years of canon that I have been concentrating on, reading, loving, and invested in just disappear. Um, same thing with the other day. It's it's an absolute official thing now. We knew it was coming, but it was very, very sad to hear Dark Horse actually finally announce that they got the phone call. Star Wars will be moving over to Marvel. Um, you know, uh, they're going to go out with a bang, which we already know they are with certain things going on, but we'll get to those. Um, so again, my fears with that are the same thing. I'm fearful that, uh, all our 20 years of can are going to get ignored. I don't think they will. JJ's too smart for that. Um, that'll just hurt too much. I think they'll be more clever about being able to learn to ignore the old stuff, but there's a, there's a, a wealth of knowledge and information there and really, really cool creative stuff that people have put their hearts and souls into for decades. So I hope they don't ignore it. So I hope they don't ignore it. Uh, I hope they do what they say they're going to do and make it more real. Uh, I am afraid that, uh, the expanded universe will not be used to its, uh, sufficiency. Um, and as far as my expectations, uh, just that they do what they said they do and that they stick by what they've said they, you know, are going to stick by. I mean, hell, if I'm a fan of the prequels as much as I am, well, fuck, this can't do anything but be fucking awesome, right? So 
that's how I feel about episode 7, Glenn. As far as the DC casting news, um, things have been interesting. Uh, I'm happy with the Gal Gadot thing. I've talked about that. I'm splendidly pleased. I think she suits a new 52 Wonder Woman, uh, and that would be more easily translated onto film Wonder Woman than we've ever seen before. I think she's got the look. I think she's got the balls. I think she's got the Israeli army knifing skills, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to work out fine. Uh, The other thing I heard about was just recently that The Rock went in for a meeting with Warner Brothers about something cool to be done with DC. The immediate uh, few things that uh, sprung to mind and sprung to the rumor rumor mill as the Twitterverse exploded was uh, who could The Rock play? Now, uh, The Rock, first out, Green Lantern. A John Stewart Green Lantern, perhaps? This was tossed out in the ring. Maybe. Uh, he wouldn't be my first choice. I would go with uh, a blacker man than a Samoan blacker man. Uh, I would like a straight-up, uh, you know, like a straight-up Idris Elba or, uh, you know, Common. Com- back when Common was uh, cast as the John Stewart Green Lantern, I thought that was great back in the day from the original Justice League casting years ago. Common would have been nice. But I think I can dig the rock. I can get in on it. No problem. Um, you know, I, it's, it's super totally up in the air rumor bullshit that he might be a Green Lantern thing, but I, I could dig with that. And, uh, also I could dig with, uh, him being Doomsday, which kind of makes sense. Uh, you know, the rock's real pretty and the rock's almost got more of a, a pretty boy look that he's, it's hard to come off as hard. You know, I mean, he pulled the rock well, but that was an arrogant type thing. He can do arrogance well, you know, um, Still got that pretty boy look, though, you know? He's uh, very, very talented. Don't get me wrong, I love The Rock, but a little too pretty-faced, pretty boy-faced to me, for me to, to almost be a superhero. Um, you know, I could see him in more of a character role as maybe a Black Adam or a, a Captain Marvel. Um, maybe he could pull off something like that, you know, because it's a, it would have a Thor-like arrogance to it. Do you know what I mean? So I think that would be something that The Rock could definitely uh, achieve. You know, I'm not worried about his acting capabilities. It's on. It's it's the look to me. You know, so well, we'll see what they can do. We'll see what happens, and we'll see where he ends up. So, uh, Glenn, thank you very much for those uh, questions. Um, we move on to uh, another uh, pod brother. Another pod brother. We will talk about here. We will talk about Mr. James J. Ford, busting out some of that blue steel. Um. James is co-host with his uh, twin brother Jason on the uh, on the Woomates at the Woomates uh, thewoomates.com another fine member of the Points of Interest podcast network uh, Jason let's see what Jason asked me Jason asked me flat off the bat what my favorite web comic is um, not a big web comic guy haven't read too many so rather than uh, t- tell you what my fave is I will talk about those I like and am quite familiar with and of course right off the bat we're gonna bust out monkey squad mondays um our good friend doug uh and he has a web comic that can also be uh i believe retrieved for your own purposes in print forms there's been a monkey squad annual one and i believe working on annual two right now but every monday uh you can catch something new coming out from doug michel michel um on uh you know uh, you can find him on Twitter, uh, at Monkey Squad one and uh, check out his fun time little stuff, because it's good times. Um, he is a fellow ganja enthusiast, 
He's a fellow comic book enthusiast, so uh, yeah, that's that's a fun comic book. Please check out Monkey Squad One, uh, another little web comic that I have read from time to time and enjoy is a uh, a web comic called Ninja and Pirate. It's by Joe Flanders. Uh, it's a, just a fun little web comic um, about a ninja and a pirate. I believe they're brothers, but uh, they had some wacky uh, little adventures. Um, the last line of the last one I read was one of my favorites ever. Oh no, space bears. Uh, and any book that ends on a story is in the character saying, oh no, space bears, um, that's fun time stuff. So, uh, check out Ninja and Pirate. Um, there is another webcomic that actually comes out of Toronto. So I want to give them a big, a bit of a shout out. I've actually met these guys, uh, writer James Cooper and, uh, artist Zach Ellis, uh, of Bagged and Bored, B-O-R-E-D is a webcomic that is, uh, it's on, uh, T.comics. That's Alice Quinn. Uh, that's her site. If you check out t.comics, uh, there's a, a little webcomic on there. It's called Bagged and Bored, and it's a fun little time, so check that out. And uh, one more thing I want to mention, because I don't know if it technically counts as a webcomic, because it's a comic that you can attain and is paneled and is page by page, but is also issue by issue available on the interwebs. And that would be one of my all-time faves, and that would be Stranger by D.A. Bishop. Uh, it's an amazing zombie comic um, by a, a very, very good Toronto artist named uh, Dave Bishop. So please check out D.A. Bishop's Stranger. You can find that at renerd.com. R-E-N-E-R-D dot com. Calm. Keep calm. Keep calm and carry a lightsaber. It's my favorite one. Favorite one I've ever heard. Anyways, um... Then he asks me an interesting question. Best issue ever read? That's a real hard one to peg down. I'm going to tell you about my favorite, but not by favorite standards, meaning that I thought it was the best story ever or that I thought it was the greatest comic ever written, but uh, one that just hits me sentimentally. It's uh, it's an emotional tinge of the hot. Uh, when I was young and, uh, you know, 13, 14 maybe, and McFarlane was coming onto the scene, uh, doing his last run there on Amazing Spider-Man, and then started the singular Peter Parker Spider-Man story. Around the same time, I believe Wolverine was busting out his uh, title, um, and uh, there was a bit of Spider-Man-Wolverine crossover going at the time uh, through McFarlane's hands, and then uh, Eric Larson came onto the scene and uh, kept things moving. But there was one story, and I'm afraid I can't tell you the issue, I can't tell you the title. It just sticks out in my head. I did inquire to a few good friends about this, including authorities like Drunk on Comics and uh, Weapon Nicks. I went to these guys and I was like, please, Dak, have you ever heard of this? Uh, Sounded a little familiar to our good friend Derek at Drunk on Comics, but uh, I'm going to turn this into a challenge for you guys, for our fine listeners out there. I'll even award a Mistake Comic Prize for this one. So, um... If you don't know what a mistake comic prize is, that's when I've gone to the comic shop uh, way too stoned and bought comics that I already own. Uh, Some of them I tend to just keep and give away as uh, mistake comic prizes. So uh, if you can tell me what the following story was from, what issue, I believe, I'll even give you some hints and I'll give you as much help as I can, okay? It was either an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but I'm more sure that it was an issue of just Spider-Man, the Peter Parker Spider-Man. Or it might have been early in the Wolverine, but I am leaning towards the Spider-Man. The story is about Peter Parker. It starts off with him on a plane to British Columbia. He gets there and he interviews an old Canadian soldier. 
this soldier tells the story of him in the war, of this time that he got lost and uh, a strange wild man in the woods helped save him. At the end of the story, after Peter's been listening, uh, it turns out, and the, the Canadian soldier says, he had a good name, a good strong Canadian name. It was Logan. And then the guy kind of dies or passes out or something. I can't remember. But Peter Parker's got like that shocked look on his face. And then the comic ends with him back on the plane flying home. And uh, just a really cool little one-shot story. I mean, it wasn't a one-shot issue. It was part of a run, but it was just a singular, like a singular story. And uh, I just, it, it sticks in my head because I remember loving it at the time. And just uh, Todd McFarlane helping to really bring in the, the Canadiana, you know, him being a good Vancouver boy. And then all of a sudden you got Peter Parker flying to BC, um, you know, revolving around the perfect story of our Canadian hero Wolverine. It was just a really Canadian badass story. I'm a huge McFarlane fan, especially wasn't the time I was at the perfect age, you know, 13. So uh, that's kind of my favorite one sentimentally that sticks out in my head. Unfortunately, I can't tell you uh, the exact name of the story. I did some Googling, but Google's hard when you're just looking for a plot line, kids. So uh, I got a mistake comic waiting for anybody who can tell me about that issue of what I think was the singular Spider-Man title. But uh, we'll see what happens there. And lastly, from Mr. James J. Ford, he would like to ask me, what is my favorite strain of the green grass magic? Now, um, I don't know how it is for you fellas in America over there. I think America does things different, especially out there in the Colorado and Washington now. You can go in the store. You can go in the store. You can buy wheat. They're going to have a label on that wheat. And the label on that wheat is going to tell you what kind of strain you got. All right. Now, uh, most of us who procure our uh, our herbal remedies through uh, less than uh, perfectly legal means, uh, it's it's hard to find out your strain. I never really hear the strain. You know, I can tell if it's cess. I can tell if it's uh, Kush. I can tell if it's uh, indica or sativa. Usually, but uh, it's really it's really you know we don't often get told uh, you know this is Skywalker OG or this is fucking strawberry slutness or whatever you know. Um, so I'm going to go with what I, I, my favorite is Kush. I love, I love Kush. I love big, fat, fluffy, lime green, red haired, crystally buds. The kind that when you gently snap apart, a little glimmering cloud of crystals poofs into the air. Uh, I love that shit. That's my favorite. I don't like it too wet. I don't like it too dry. Uh, it's pretty typical. One strain I did have one time was a blueberry Kush that was absolutely phenomenal. I go, I love a good flavor. Um... In my weed, uh, I love uh, I love when it's a good potent kick in the ass. One reason I like blunts, I really love the tobacco leaf wrapped around the, uh, a nice flavorful, you know, rich marijuana. So I'm gonna go with the blueberry Kush on that one, uh, just because that's how it works. So hopefully someday it'll the legal the legality will spread across the great continent of North America, and then perhaps when that time comes, we shall all be able to say to each other exactly what type and kind of strain we are smoking so uh yeah there's your answer to that one kids all right moving on our next uh question it's not really a question but it's kind of a a quement i guess you could say uh taking a page out of the nerdist's handbook there our good friend tom who is the host of a podcast called geek girl nerd boy on the fanboys inc network uh he came up earlier in the summer there 
It was late in the summer, but uh, he came up with his uh, lovely wife, and we did a little tour of Toronto, a little bit of Scott Pilgriming, a little bit of, uh, whatchamacallit, what's that place with the rock and rollers, the the Hard Rock Cafe Toronto, which I believe uh, was actually the second one ever outside of London. Uh, we got a Hard Rock before anybody besides London, which was super cool, so it's a really old, you know, cool little Hard Rock Cafe. Went down to Gretzky's, watched some hockey, and did some Canadian stuff, you know, a little spliff in a park across from the MTCC where the, where the fan expo happens every year. And uh, basically he says, hey, how's it going? I hope you're still uh, planning on hitting up fan expo. And uh, hell yes, I am. You know it. Even though they kind of screwed us this year, they put it on our Labor Day weekend, which is a whole bunch of bullshit. Um, you know, I still got to go. Uh, usually I go fan expo and then I go camping the next week and, uh, it's not going to be able to happen this way exactly this year because uh, I'm afraid fan expo is where I got to be. I, I must be with my people. I must be with my people. So yes, Tom, I am going and I hope you still plan on coming up because there's been a lot of talk from a lot of people who may plan on coming up to the third largest comic convention and pop culture celebration in North America. That's right, kids. If you can't get to San Diego and you can't get to New York Comic Con, well, you might as well go to the third best thing, and that's coming on up to Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the end of August for Fan Expo Toronto at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. We'll see you there. So, uh, yeah, come on up, kids. Fan Expo, it's going to be a party. I'm calling y'all out. Tom says he's coming up. Uh, El Jaquez. Get your ass out here. You know what I'm saying? Out here. Um, drunk on comics. Come on, fellas. If I'm going to go ahead and drag my ass down south and actually step foot in America, go down to Motor City Con, hang out with you guys and shit, you best be still getting your asses on up on here at a Fan Expo. Um, especially with the exchange between here and Michigan being, what, like four hours or something ridiculously small. So, uh, yeah. Fan Expo, yes, Tom, still happening, still going to be a potty, and the biggest potty ever. Uh, last year, we officially finally broke 100,000 people, so you want to experience shit? Come on up, kids, we'll have a party, okay? Okay. Uh, where we got next? Uh, oh, look here, it's our good friend, Kingdom! Anthony Rutgazer, a good friend of ours, good friend of the show. He is the host of an old podcast that really, really still should come back. Uh, I used to love to listen to this show. It was called The Handsome Genius Club. It was hosted by Anthony Kingdom James, a.k.a. Anthony Rutgazer. Um, But he's a little concentrating on the comic book world right now. He's got a new book coming out for Action Labs. It's called The First Hero. And I can't wait to see this shit. He's worked a long, long time, uh, and he's worked very, very hard to make this dream of his become a reality. Um, Just like many, many people in the independent comic book community, working hard to make things happen. So uh, I I applaud you all. I respect you all. I love you all. Keep on doing what you're doing, and I'll keep on doing the easy part. And that's just blabbering about them. (laughs) But anyways... Um, all I gotta do is hit a button. I hit record, and that's my hardest part. You all gots to be coloring and writing and drawing. Um, I should draw more. I don't draw enough. I'm okay at the drawing. Some of y'all have seen my drawing. Maybe I'll draw something for you soon. Anyways, off topic, Mr. Anthony Ruckgazer asked me what my top comics of 2013 were. Holy shit. Um, the immediate thing that comes to mind is Star Wars. 
both of them. The new Star Wars series uh, with Alex Ross doing the covers and such is a fantastic retelling of the uh, Star Wars story. It is the comic book that made me believe that you could actually reboot those characters uh, like Star Trek did and put uh, young people in the same roles. Uh, because they're drawn so differently, yet are so similar to the characters, yet don't look like the actors. It's really, really interesting. So I really enjoyed the the star, that Star Wars. Um, there's also the Star Wars, which is a great book based on uh, the rough screenplay, the very first roughed draft. I'm sorry of uh, Star Wars. It's called the Star Wars. Names, dates, places, things, all that stuff. It's all changed, but it's all familiar. And it's a really, really neat thing to read to see where his mind was first sparking. You know, like the first synapses that started firing when he first thought of the words, the Star Wars, you know. So that's that's super cool. Um, uh, favorite books of the year. Also, uh, so a new one came out by our, our good friend D.A. Bishop, who I mentioned earlier, uh, of Stranger. It's called Of Stone. Oh, it's an amazing, amazing fantasy book. Uh, you all people have to check this out. I believe you can get to it through renerd.com, but otherwise just follow at renerd, R-E-N-E-R-D, on the Twitter, D.A. Bishop, and Find of Stone. Uh, he'll let you see it too. He's one of those happy-go-lucky, flipping-off fucking PDFs all over the goddamn internet to people, people too. So uh, if you like that kind of stuff, check it out. Um, of Stone was one of my absolute faves of the year. Um... As far as the biggins, you know, uh, I love my Batman. Um, whole bunch of great stuff, of course. Capullo and Snyder still rocking the shit. Uh, it's never really dipped for me. Uh, the tail end of the year, starting off here with the whole uh, zero year thing, has just been fun as hell. Getting to see their take on the, uh, you know, on the beginnings of it. So, uh, yeah, again, um, kids, that's, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't read everything under the sun out there. Uh, but from what I've read, those are the things. Oh, I'm also really, really digging the, uh, the He-Men and the Transformers series. Um, they've been really good times. Tony over there at, uh, at uh, Drunk on Comics, I know he has been enjoying certain Transformers uh, titles as well. But uh, the DC Universe versus Masters of the Universe, fucking awesome. I'm having a great old time with that. I also really enjoyed... Uh, I really enjoyed... Uh, forget what I was going to say there. The Masters of the Universe, I really, really enjoyed that. And uh, I don't know, there was some other stuff I enjoyed. But uh, those are just a couple of my tops of the year that I got off on. Um, yeah, so uh, he also asks me who my best and worst person of the year are. It's kind of a broad question, so I'm going to answer it broadly. Uh, just plain old, the worst came right to mind immediately. Uh, fuck you, Kanye West. Fuck you. You motherfucking creative genius, you. Fuck you. Uh, he really perturbs me. He really bothers me. I think he's just a fucking... He's everything human beings should strive not to be. And he's an insult to uh, everybody who has any kind of thing that he has. I loved that Eminem's rap god came out at the same time this year because it kind of really fucking made his shit look pathetic next to what Eminem was busting out. Uh, I'm a fan of Eminem. You know, I'm not a huge fan. I don't get his albums and listen to them all. But when those songs come out, he's talented as fuck and you cannot deny it. So Kanye West, you really want to talk about how you're a fucking creative genius? Rhyming three words. Wait five seconds, rhyme another three words. Then you wait two seconds and rhyme a couple of other words. Fuck that shit. You got Eminem moving his fucking mouth so fast you don't even know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, 
Uh, so that's what I think about that. So my worst person of the year is easily fucking Kimye. I'll even combine those two fucking ugly sons of bitches into one. So Kimye, worst person of the year. Best person of the year is going to be an absolute just personal thing. Uh, my absolute personal favorite and best person of the year. I'm going to give that award to Mr. Stephen Moffat. Uh, it's been a banner year for Doctor Who. It's been the 50th celebration hardcore. I know a lot of people referred, preferred Russell T. Davies, and that's okay if you did, but you don't need to be so hard on what Moffat's doing. Um, Doctor Who fans, man, I know this happens in certain fandoms. When a fandom gets popular, all the old hardcores have all, always been into it, pretty much turn into douchebag ass fucks. So those people can kind of fuck off because uh, Doctor Who's just going to grow and it ain't going to stop. So you have to deal with it. Same thing with the Star Wars, you know. You got to deal with it getting bigger and bigger and new generations having their fucking peace and say and a little bit of a part of it. So Russell D. Davies was great, but my personal fucking favorite is Mr. Stephen Moffat for all the beautiful things that he has done for Doctor Who this year. Uh, bravo, sir. Uh, Anthony also asked me uh, if I was looking forward to what what I was looking forward to in 2014, uh, and I'm kind of looking forward to Justice League Canada. That's something I'm real excited about. Um, Jeff Lemire busting that shit after the uh, events of the Trinity War and everything falling apart. Canada, we're getting our own goddamn Justice League, and uh, it kind of makes sense, you know. Toronto is the fourth largest city in North America. It's a world-class city. Why not have some world-class uh, superheroes going on? So that's really fucking cool. Even uh, going to create some new ones um, to, to add to the team that are you know North American-based. So really, really happy and looking forward to that. And of course, I'm looking uh, forward to the Series 8 of Doctor Who, Mr. Peter Capaldi. Um, you know, very, very thrilling times. So... Those are things I look forward to. And uh, lastly, Anthony asks me, did the ice storm keep me busy? Jesus Christ, kids. Jesus motherfucking Christ. We had a giant ice storm here in Toronto. 300,000 people lost power. Uh, it was a pretty harsh event. I am an arborist, uh, which means I'm a tree climber, which means I get paid to be Tarzan all fucking day, basically. And uh, it's uh, it was a harsh time for hydro workers and arborists during the past couple weeks, because, yeah, we were working 12-hour days, uh, you know, seven days a week. It was just insane for, like, three weeks there. Uh, we had to get people power, of course. You just had to do it. Most of us gave up our Christmas vacations, so that was kind of rough, uh, you know, working New Year's Day and such. But uh, when you got to do what you got to do, when you got to do it. So, yes, Anthony, it did keep us very, very busy, but I know you, as a resident of the city of Toronto, are incredibly grateful for myself listeness and uh you know what's the word dedication to your fucking city that's right i don't even live in toronto i live in the l5j bitches um but no no of course we're we're all being one happy family and uh, that's what i've been up to so uh yes it kept me very very busy it's probably going to keep me very very busy for the rest of the winter as well deep into the spring having to repair all the trees that got broken during the winter so there you go now you know kids for anybody who didn't know your geeky loudmouth star wars weed smoke loving host is actually uh, uh a bit of an outside uh, lumberjack and uh, tough guy uh during the day that's right i'm a i'm a lumberjack and that's okay so, uh, that's what I do in my daytime. I wear flannel and I grow beards and I fucking, uh, eat meat 
And then at night, I uh, I cuddle up into my little man cave and I read comic books and I talk to you guys. So that's what I do. I talk to you guys and it's a good time. So uh, there you go. That's enough questions from Mr. Anthony Ruckgazer. But everybody, please make sure that you check out the first hero from Action Labs when that arrives in the universe. Uh, you know, we definitely will be letting you know when that does in fact happen. Okay, okay. Uh, next question comes from Jorge Rodriguez out of Chai Town. He says, I know on the show you're always smoking something. What's your favorite smoking method? Bowl, bong, joint, blunt, bubbler, vapo, and why? Well, uh, I'm a joint smoker, kids. Uh, I don't like bongs because they're just too much pack for your punch. I'm kind of a old uh, Walt Whitman type when it comes to the uh, my outlook on the marijuana. I take more of an Ernest Hemingway approach to, uh, to the fine herbal remedies. And, uh, I like my favorite paper of all time is the zigzag one and a quarter. Uh, that's a combination of the orange and silver ultra thin pack and the long and slender blue and silver, uh, uh, or sorry, blue, uh, or the orange one and a quarter. You put those together, which they finally did, and I found a convenience store one day, and they were, like, glowing with, like, rays of fucking godly sun coming out of the back of them. Um, and I found these papers. So my favorite paper ever is the zigzag ultra-thin one and a quarter. But what I roll with most of the time, just because I like to roll big, long, coney blunts, uh, are pure hemp papers. Um, they're king-size uh, eco-papers. Uh, you can check out www.purehemp.com. Uh, they're tree-free, and they're pretty badass. So I, I'm a joint guy. I've also studied uh, the joint rolling handbooks, one and two. Uh, that's not a joint kid joke, kids. Those exist. They are out there, and you can find them. Look up the joint rolling handbook. Teach you awesome joints like uh, the tulip, the, fa- the flaming backflip. There's lots of cool shit you can do with papers. So uh, I, I don't mind a pipe once in a while, but it's got to be a cool pipe. I don't like those glass shiny pipes because I feel like a fucking crack pipe hippie on LSD crack or some kind of shit. I'm not down with that. I, I like a long wooden or glass Gandalf type pipe, maybe a corn cob pipe, something my grandpa would have smoked. Uh, something simple, you know, it's just it does a trick and uh, it's not too flashy and overplayed. So, um, yeah. Jointing a coffee, jointing a tea, jointing a beer, jointing a white Russian. These are all beautiful combinations. So uh, that's where I go with that kind of thing. Uh, let's see here. He also asks if I can please retell the story of how you and Miss Mary Jane came to meet. Uh, it was grade 10. I was hanging out with a friend and my girlfriend. Um, I had actually already at this point done LSD. I had uh, My first drug ever was acid. Isn't that kind of crazy? Um, even before I got drunk, I did acid, which is kind of insane, but, uh, I was a young little punk, maybe, uh, 15, 16 years old, tried, tried LSD, and, uh, that led me hanging into other hippie dudes, and then I was under a bridge of the woods at lunch one day, and, uh, this guy busted out some bots, uh, which is hash, uh, you know, you break the little, put the dime in the bottom of the bottle, and break your little hole, and cook some bots, BTs, whatever the fuck you call them, wherever the fuck you are, but I actually smoked hash after that, and then uh, I can't remember exactly the very first joint of marijuana I ever smoked, but uh, that's basically uh, the first time I ever ingested Miss Sweet Mary Jane was a little bit of hashish under a bridge at lunchtime in the, in the, in the spring, maybe. It, uh, school was on, I remember that, so maybe it wasn't summer, but uh, that's when that happened, Jorge. 
It's been a long love affair ever since. Totally, dude. So, uh, number three, what do you think the purpose of humans on Earth is, and how do you believe we got here? I believe we got here by a random accident of stardust and carbon, and I don't believe we have absolutely any purpose whatsoever to being here. I think shit fucking happens. Deal with it. Um, I don't believe there's purpose. I believe purpose is... I, okay, I believe there's purpose, but I believe purpose is... Gen, gen, purpose is engineered through... Uh, natural necessity or human creativity. Um, purpose can be given and you can feel purpose rise in you. Uh, you must help someone. You have the purpose to help people. You have, your purpose is to draw. Whatever your purpose may be, I personally don't believe that there is any other type of higher being who has consciously decided that he was going to create a gajillion, gabillion planets to tell a couple of monkeys on one particular little rock who they're allowed to fuck. That's my personal opinion on the matter. I don't believe in religion uh, whatsoever. I think we need to evolve past religion, which I think we need to stop worrying about purpose anyways. I mean, purpose shows us... Uh, Okay, there's different types of purpose, you know, there's intentful purpose, some purpose is just nature, uh, the purpose of, you know, bees is to make honey, but, you know, really, does it matter in the end? So I don't think there's a purpose to why humans are on earth, I think we have a purpose while we're here, I think we have a lot, everybody's got their own purposes, but I don't think any conscious thing said, I'm going to create this infinite universe to put these tiny little specks of fucking dust on so I can control their lives and tell them what to do. You know, we're, we're such, we're so infinitesimally insignificant in the grand scheme of what existence is that, uh, even if we have a purpose, I don't think anything else out there gives a real shit about it. So that's where I go with that. And then, uh, your final question, Jorge is, uh, do I believe in any conspiracy theories? And if so, which ones I believe there's reasons conspiracy theories exist. I believe that say, for example, I do not believe that, uh, I don't, I believe we went to the moon, but I believe there's more to the story. Okay. I don't believe it's conspiracy as that we haven't gone to the moon, but I do believe there's more to it. There's too much fucked up shit in connection with that story that hasn't been straightened out that I believe there's conspiracy there, but I don't believe it stretches as far as we haven't gone, but who knows? So I do think there's something shifty there. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to tell. I'm not a huge conspiracy guy. Uh, but I, I have a few. I think uh, the one I'm into the most probably be JFK. Uh, I think the Joseph Bonanno mafia family killed JFK. I think Joe Kennedy got too involved with uh, the mafia. They got his son elected. He pissed them off by Robert Kennedy going after them all. So they killed JFK. And I think it was out of a storm sewer grate that's in the ground that had the perfect trajectory, trajectory uh, to shoot the president right where the president was shot. So maybe there's a whole bunch of people there. So I don't I don't know exactly. I'm not going to claim what's actually wrong and right, but I do believe that there are conspiracies in there. So uh, that is how I feel about that. All right. Oh, looks like my joint went out. What can I have that? Quick, flick the bick. Okay. Uh, one more question. I have been saving the doozy for the end here. Uh, this comes from a very, very good friend of mine, uh, a brother in reality, my good friend, Tim Kennedy. You can find Tim Kennedy on Twitter at Dozy, at D-O-U, 
G-H-S-Y. He asks, if you had to be with a girl for the rest of your life with one of these issues, what one would you choose and why? A. Cleft palate. B. Lazy eye. C. Stinky box. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna deductively reason this out, Tim. Uh, I'm automatically, obviously, uh, when you got a cleft palate or a lazy eye, they don't even compare to a fucking stinky box. So we're gonna take C right off the menu. I would I could not stand a stinky box forever because I am too much uh, I am too much into the manja. I like it a manja. I like it delicious to dive right in. You know, you know, you dive right in, man. You you put your hands together and you dive in, man. You jump off the board, you dive right in there, you swim around a little bit, man. You swim around a little bit, and then you drink it, you eat it, you suck it, you slap it, you love it. Ah, gotta love it. I am the clit commander. All right, um, so yeah, we're gonna take Stinky Box right out of the goddamn running there. Then we're gonna be left with a cleft palate and a lazy eye. Um, a lazy eye looks a little wonky, but there's not much to it. A cleft palate can cause either speech impediment or, uh, you know, seriously, I don't know if I want to be dating a, uh, you know, Sylvester or a Twee. Um, but there's different types of cleft palates, so I'm not, you know, what to go on there. So I think what I'm going to go with is lazy eye because, uh, you know, that's not too big a deal. They just look kind of wonk, you know. If you catch them on a right, you have to pretty much be looking right at them anyways, you know. If they're kind of looking to the left or the right, you don't really have to worry too much. So uh, I'm going to go with lazy eye. I think lazy eye is the thing that I could uh, most comfortably deal with for the rest of my life, Tim. So uh, there's your answer on that, the lazy eye. Um, uh, that's about it, kids. Uh, thank you for all those wonderful, awesome, good time questions. Uh, I really, really uh, enjoyed answering them for you. I enjoyed my little ramble on here. Um, again, welcome to 2014. Couple of shout outs for the year. I would like to give a reminder shout out uh, to a couple of old things. If you listen to our theme song, um, it's, it's an imperial hip hop beat. Uh, it's the imperial march to a hip hop beat. Uh, I myself added over uh, kind of the snippets like the Skeletor that you hear and the Cobra Commander. Um, you know, those, those snippets are of me. But the beat itself and the backbeat behind the Imperial March and with the Imperial March, that is a mix that was put together by a DJ named Leroy Elsing. Uh, Leroy Elsing, uh, way back when, was very, very kind enough to uh, permit us and grant us permission to use his mix for the theme song to An Elegant Weapon. Uh, It's been a while since I mentioned it, and uh, I know it's come up recently, and uh, people have been uh, talking about it. So uh, people have always enjoyed that mix. It's a cool mix, and uh, I would like to again extend our thanks and appreciation to Leroy Elsing uh, for his continued use of uh, the An Elegant Weapon Imperial Hip Hop Beat. Uh, You can go on to YouTube, and he's got his own channel. Uh, Leroy Elsing um, you know just put in you can either put in Leroy Elsing or you can put in Imperial March and then brackets put hip-hop and uh, that's what's gonna pop up kids so uh, check that out a uh, few people that have been with us over the year and uh, have always been very supportive of course our good friends uh, uh, a few names to throw out there at Zazmaran um, on the Twitters dude thanks so much for your continued support Sparkle Girl Jen 
the lovely, lovely Sparkle Girl, Jen. Uh, we hope that you're having a lovely winter. She's moved a bit north here from her hometown of Hamilton, uh, about six or seven hours north to Sudbury, Ontario. So I know it's pretty fucking cold up there, love. But uh, you can check out Sparkle Girl on the Etsy and uh, see the wonderful things that that uh, little northern elf is making all for you. Uh, Jen is also heavily involved with uh, a geek girl pen pal thingy. Um, I'm blanking out a little bit on the exact uh, title of the organization, but uh, it's like a thing where geek girls from around the world, uh, you know, they pen pal each other and they get to talk about fun stuff and do fun stuff. So uh, check that out and find her on Twitter at Sparkle Girl Jen. Um, that's good times. Uh, all our favorite people out there, um, thanks for supporting us and always, uh, listening to the show for some crazy reason. Uh, just remember, it, it means you're all nuts. <laughs> uh, Jay Webb, you're, you're, you are a good man. Um, all my brothers and sisters on the Points of Interest podcast network, especially at 303 underscore ninja, Mr. Josh. El Hawkes, Hawks, my co-curator on POI. Uh, thanks for everything, brother. You are a true friend and a true fellow. To everyone else out there, please, I wish you the absolute most success, happiness, joy, and wonderment. And remember, during 2014, the Force will be with you. That's all this week for An Elegant Weapon, kids. Take it easy. I see blue. He looks glorious.